Hey everybody, welcome back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tells from New Orleans, episode 157, special episode, Super Jam, All-Star Podcast, annual. <laughs> I gotta be quicker with the FX, right? Is yeah. that what you were going for there? Were you going for the FX? Annual. Yeah, right. Episode. <laughs> That's why we need a real producer. Midge. Yeah, we do. We need an intern or something. <laughs> Folks, we have guests in the house already. They're trickling in. Hannah Krieger Benson joins us. Hi. Uh, well, you nailed it. Uh, yeah. You're good. Because <laughs> we've known each other Close. for a long time. And uh, Hannah Krieger Benson is with uh, is a local uh, performing musician and is also uh, with uh, the Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans. Yep. And uh, Hearst Katzen is joining us as well, friend of the Good Life, Hearst Katzen. Thank you. Welcome hey. to be here. May, right. may, may I say something really quick? Um, sure. Well, two things. Uh, Marina Orchestra is one of the main bands that you play in, and yeah. I just got to know you guys recently, and and you guys are awesome. We'll talk about that. Hirsch, man. You're like a friend of the pod that's been a distant friend of the pod that like we've just noticed from afar. Yeah, that like yeah. you seem to pay attention. We have a lot of we have a lot of one degree of separations that, it, that have finally all collapsed. It, right, right. And this is your first time on the show, so thank you for being yeah. Here. I'm psyched. It's it's dope. Um, Hannah, what do you want to get into first? Uh, I think from from what's your role at Magno? Let me ask you that. <laughs> Because wow. we've had it, because we've had Ethan on like ten times. Sure. So you Ethan, know. yeah, Ethan's our our ED. Um, my role has always been a little bit fuzzy. It's kind of evolved over the years, but it sort of centers around um, programming and advocacy, and then in the last year or two, more into research. Um, so I do a lot of nerd nerd stuff. For example, recently right. Monday afternoon, me and our research intern went down and hand drew maps of where all the loading zones are on Frenchman Street because the city's about to introduce an ordinance trying to make parking and loading easier for, mu- for musicians, but there are no maps of that. loading zones. <laughs> so we made this color-coded map <laughs> with Sharpies and clipboards. Wow. Um, so that's, yeah. That's so your, that's your work. It's, uh, you know, but then, it, so it's that and it's, you know, a few days before that, I was meeting with the new commander of the 8th District Police, which is the French Quarter Mayor, and you know, they have a new, a new commander, so we wanted to keep building that relationship there. So it's, it's, kind, of, I do, it's kind of a mishmash, and it's always something different. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, it's just, yeah. a, it's just a, like a 501c3. It's not affiliated with the city Correct. in any way. I guess I should back up a little bit. The Macno story. Um, yeah, no, we're a, we're a local, tiny little local nonprofit that deals with all the ways that law and policy impact music and culture. So we deal a lot with zoning ordinance, noise ordinance, street performers, um, and then some larger sort of intersection of of culture and social justice issues, you know, things like supporting um, housing issues or, you know, sort of being parts of different uh, different coalitions, like, you know, issues around uh, camera surveillance and whatnot. Right. That's so, right. Right. And, and notably, the camera surveillance thing was taken off the docket. Um, so kind of, sort of, maybe it's still like uh, it, hanging it, around it in the background. It zombied a little bit. I mean, it we, zombied we, a little we, bit. We yeah. got it killed. This was the proposed ordinance to put um, cameras linked to a real-time crime monitoring center in every business in town with an alcohol license. Right. So that's you know bars and music venues. That's also you know pharmacies and grocery stores. And there's, I mean, it was just it, it would have been the most invasive thing I think pretty much anywhere in the country based on the on the research that we did um, and yes we got that killed last year and then it was reintroduced by the new council in a modified form we got it hopefully killed again um, and then yeah there's sort of a coalition that's grown out of that called Eye on Surveillance which is uh, a bunch of different 
organizations um, just sort of working to you know keep an eye on the state of surveillance but yeah Jeff you helped us make a video for that one to try to sort of get the word out about it right time, right yeah that's right super helpful yeah yeah that was uh, that was fun to make and uh, <laughs> I was glad I was glad to be able to help in that way yeah for sure um, so that's the kind of work that that Macno does around town just so many so many good things and uh, you know, not to start off with like a super bummer the bummer bummer <laughs> of bummer. the week bummer of the week <laughs> Just unfortunately in New Orleans, like we have to constantly be vigilant about this kind of movement that um, is going on, which is like born out of so many things, uh, white privilege and subconscious racism, NIMBY. conscious racism, nimbyism. Um, you know, it's something that gets very tiresome uh, after a while. But um, you have people uh, around the city who, I, in my opinion, like I always try to characterize it like this like their goal is to transform new orleans into savannah georgia you know and that's like the closest analog that i can think of like if you could if you could scour the streets clean of all the music and and just make it about architecture and just make it about and 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 fantasize that the reason that people come to new orleans is because of architecture fried chicken (laughs) fried chicken lovers and right yeah and that food and that there's not a pecking order here which is not to put down any of those other things but there is and uh, they, they come for a lot of reasons. It's not just about people coming to New Orleans either. It's about a whole host of issues. But, you know, unfortunately, we had uh, weaponized white privilege out on display uh, this week in a big way um, when uh, a neighbor, unfortunately, <laughs> that I can say lives right uh, somewhere nearby in this neighborhood, uh, called the police on uh, some performers that were performing outside of the jazz fest which is just a time-honored tradition right. in new orleans has been going on forever nobody i've i, I can't recall it's ever one of the many highlights i mean i mean it's, it's just of one course. of the things you look forward to when of you leave you get a beer you listen right. to the band that's right it's that's part right. of the thing and and look there's there have been for years rumors that swirl that like within a certain li- limited area around the jazz fest there's a negotiated thing with the city where bands are allowed to play and bands aren't allowed to play etc etc it's the kind of issue that Macno would get right in the middle of um, you know is it true is it not does does it trickle down to the police where they even understand that it exists etc etc and and those are some of the problems and realities that um, ex- exist in a greater way usually not around jazz fest time right. um, and right. uh, and because if you live in this neighborhood, you just understand that there's going to be these disturbances that happen. Um, you know, whether it's the Louisiana Derby or the Thanksgiving at the track, or uh, a second, a second or the, line, a second line, or a jazz fest. Like this is a supremely active cultural neighborhood that we live in here. But I feel and like there's so many neighborhoods that are like that, and, and yeah. I mean. It's basically your obligation as a homeowner in New Orleans, or as a renter, or as someone who lives in New Orleans, to to be the host when it's your neighborhood's time to host. You know, all the Mardi Gras people. I'm sure, like they don't like living there every single day. Sure. Mardi Gras every year. Sure. But you know, you got to do it. And mm-hmm. you know, the second line, it, it's all over town. Right. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And and. Um, I mean, rather than you know, rather than shut it down, it should be a recognition that like you know, it's our turn. This Look, is our week where where we're hosting. We're hosting. Of yeah, course, yeah, and, and and you know what, I would say in the spirit of the city that typically it is. You know, I mean, I can't recall, and I grew up here, 
you know, I don't know how many years I've been living in Mid-City. I can't recall anybody calling the cops on in, in this situation. Um, previously, it could be that it has happened. It could be that social media makes people aware of it and calls people out um, for this kind of bad behavior. But the real issue to me um, is not... Uh, is is germane to the dangers that are caused by the calling of the police because it only takes one bad apple to ruin whatever might go down as a result of that so if you're not capable of handling in an interpersonal manner neighborhood spat issues that arise in the city of new orleans because you're you live 250 feet away from some party that takes place every year around Jazz Fest time. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say to a person like that, you know. In in turn, ex- except you know, you might want to look up the definition of tolerance. But you you endangered people's lives, and you don't think that you did, but you did. And and can we do an official dog out? We of the can week? do official dog out of the week. It's uh, Keith Twitchell. Um, who was responsible for that? Yeah, exactly. You are our D- dog, dog out, out of the week. <laughs> for for it's a good life, babe. <clears throat> Episode one fifty seven. Hannah, <laughs> Hannah, do you have Dubious. anything Dubious to honor. add to to, to oh, this? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Right? I I could probably literally give like an hour lecture on this on this kind of stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna zoom out for a second here. Um, okay. And start with sort of the space that Macno works in is this disconnect between legal and cultural stuff. Because historically, those, you know, demographically, we're talking different groups. Legal, you know, laws are made by people with access to power. That's historically people who are wealthy and white, although New Orleans, you know, is a little bit different. Um, And then cultural practices come out of neighborhoods that are historically black. Um, And one of the big, big things you're talking about, sort of, you know, what's changed more recently, well, one thing is things that were sort of let to be on their own you know just sort of socially regulated and this is this is anybody who knows me knows this is like one of my most frequent sort of rants and lectures and i should probably just record it so i can just press play all the time but socially regulated versus legally regulated that's where it gets really interesting and really complicated because there's any number of things that are very difficult to regulate legally and it comes down to what you're talking about fabric of neighborhoods and and sort of interpersonal relationships because if you have a neighborhood bar, and historically there's a lot of, you know, music in New Orleans comes from bars that are embedded in neighborhoods, not sort of on major um, Th- that's streets. That's right, that's right. And yeah. if you have a neighborhood bar and it's got... Grand- grandfathered in, from a zoning standpoint, almost all of them at well, this sure. point. Well, I mean, right? sure, you know, yeah. and, and but I, I'm just like, the scenario I use is, you know, if they, if they have music, it's like, is it a music venue? Well, you know, old... Old Joe would play there on Thursdays, usually, <laughs> if he felt like it, and <laughs> they would right. go until, like, you know... They, whatever, and it's just sort of this this socially contracted thing, and then those things change and evolve over time, and of course, neighborhoods change and evolve over time. The question becomes, and again, this is sort of way, way zoomed out, talking sort of, you know, sort of the, the basic level of, of what Magno does, and also, you know, very much applies here, who gets to designate what's good and what's bad, and what's good change and what's bad change? Right. So something like this, yes. the issue, you know, the, the, the next step from recognizing that is to then sort of, and this is, you know, where it gets really nerdy, is... You know, power a power analysis is sort of almost always going to tell you what you need to know. So in this case, you've got a neighborhood association throwing their power and privilege around, and what ends up happening is the legal, sorry, the law enforcement infrastructure. You know, cops get used as a hammer right. picked up by that, people that's right. against something that they don't like, regardless sure. of legality. I mean, this is you know we deal with this with street performers all the time. You know, we'll have people literally talk about 
you know, human feces on a doorstep on Royal Street and street performers in the same sentence, you know, and talking about things that they don't like. And that's usually <laughs> the point in the meeting where I, where I you know, get a little bit um, sharp. And, oh, like, yeah. you know, right. it's like, no, you will never, ever say that again because that's inexcusable. But, um, the, so then if you have people who feel entitled to, like you said, call the cops, and then, of course, that's where it gets into, you know, and race plays out as well because what happened here in the neighborhood is that regardless of the initial complaint and the initial intention, the brass band got smacked by the cops. Uh, and, that's and right. This was the one that that's we've sort right. of focused on for a couple of reasons. One, they're young black men practicing a traditional New Orleans art form. You know, you want to talk about issues with policing, that's kind of the, the heart of it right there. So that's, you know, incredibly concerning. And they were not even necessarily the original intended target of the complainant. That's right. And... So, so how did they make the jump, the police, in their mind? Well, because music is time music for, is music. Time is for music. a sweep and because exactly. and of the person that made the call. Well, and then, you know, extended, extended from there, the quote that stuck out to me in one of the newspaper articles was something like, and then the cops went away to check if they were, in fact, violating any law because they have no idea. The laws are... So this is the other thing I was going to say, sort of on, like, the higher level you know, sort of an analysis kind of parts of it is the laws around culture are really a mess. They're a mess yes. for a number of reasons, including the fact that they were, again, often written by people with a total disconnect from actual culture and cultural practices grew up completely um, disconnected from, you know, these legal structures. And then what ends up happening is if you bring the laws on the books to bear on the culture that's happening, the culture is going to lose. And that's a problem because right. the laws were not even necessarily written to be that punitive, but they are so unfriendly. You know, music, our stickers say music is not a crime. Um, you know, you have the, the Marine Orchestra, the sticker from my band on your computer. If you also had the music is not a crime sticker on there, you would have me in <laughs> sticker form. Um, yeah. I will, I'll get you one. Um, but, you know, they say music is not a crime because, the, and people are sometimes like, wait, what? Like, what is that? Why do you? But it's actually incredibly apt. It because is. Music gets treated, there's this sort of assumption of criminality, and this is where it gets really interesting, and I mean, we talk about this a lot with street performers in the quarter, or even in this case, you know, there's quotes from the, from the police saying, well, you know, we had to respond to, re to resident complaints. Well, in certain instances, um, how, how do we feel about cursing on this? Oh, go for it. No, the fuck you don't have to respond <laughs> no, in a particular no. way, because, you know, this idea that, like, if someone has complained, therefore we, the police, must take action, as opposed to... Maybe the problem is, in fact, the complainant, That's right. and the musicians right. are, you know, within their both sort of their legal right and their cultural social pattern. You know, they're they're fitting in within the the traditions of the neighborhood. So this idea that, you know, we have to respond. You know, I remember there was an incident one time where someone, um, because they didn't like them, sprayed some street poets on Frenchman Street with a hose, and the street poets called the cops. But when the cops responded, they said, "Well, we also have to give you." Street poets a ticket. A citation, yeah. For I mean, they were they literally were you know so they were so within their legal rights. Um, but there's that idea. So I mean, music is not a crime, and by extension, you know, the extension of that is all the associations that so strongly get get made. You know, music and cultural practitioners as sort of sin, vice, crime, nightlife, drugs. You know, shady, under the table, not good, upstanding citizen, whatever. And that's where you get the language that makes me just lose my shit with rage which is residents versus musicians that's the one where i like i i will always call that out because that is inexcusable because it sets up this idea of ownership you know the, the word resident has a lot of power and if you're saying yeah, residents right. yeah, versus right. musicians um i think i've almost finished this particular this particular <laughs> rant um but you know so the 
the way it ended up unfolding was, you know, this neighborhood association, they flexed their power. And the other thing I was going to say, too, is that there may be real sort of concerns underlying that complaint. Like, I, I don't want to be dismissive, you know, when there are real quality of life issues, because it's easy to kind of let it devolve into that. And, and I do want to acknowledge that. However, there had got to be a better way. But, there but, absolutely yeah, had yeah, to be yeah. a better way. Well, I'm curious I, about I know. right where you're ending there, too. Okay, okay, okay. okay. But, uh, so, but how much benefit of the doubt do we need to give to somebody who lives in, an, in this neighborhood it's, where it's this even, happens every year? And where not, I even, just, not even benefit of the doubt. My, my point is just that yeah. um, the way it played out was inexcusable, yes, but I am yeah. not sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And, and in, in other words, I want to sort of acknowledge on the record that I... I am not dismissive of quality of life concerns. Sure, sure. Um, but what ended up happening was, you know, I, I was sort of hearing about this Friday afternoon. I'd been to Jazz Fest myself, and then I was sort of hearing about this. And then all Friday evening, my concern was that bands were playing throughout the neighborhood. I wasn't really sure. The cops seemed pretty intense, you know, in the way that they approached this shutdown. And I was concerned that there was going to be some band playing, and the cops were annoyed that this was the third time they met out, and they were going to start arresting people. Sure. Hmm. And so I was waiting Friday night to get that phone call. To get the phone call. And it didn't yeah. happen, which is right. great, and I, you know, I'm glad it didn't happen. However, <laughs> you know, when you hear about cops and interacting with a brass band, and again, particularly brass bands because of demographics. Of course. Of course. There's um there's that concern. Well, so, Jeff, and you made that point, like the bad apple. Well, All it takes is one. That's it. I mean, you you get shit to go really horribly. Yeah, you get one cop like vis-a-vis uh, -vis the ones who, you know, beat the shit out of the guy outside of uh the uh, Mid City Yacht Club. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah, you just yeah. get one guy like that, and this situation right here, and you don't know who's going to come, is going to go south. Right. And I mean, you want to talk about is. a power analysis. If you've got a bunch of cops, especially, you know, not just cops at a bar, but cops in uniform, and I mean, in general, man, there is always this sense of music as like, oh, the cops are coming. Like, we probably shouldn't, you know, again, music is not a crime. Like, or, yeah. Um, and then you multiply that by the demographic issues and, you know, and racial bias and policing, particularly with the brass band, which is both, you know, it's three things. It's, it's an incredibly important traditional cultural practice. It's loud. And it's young black men, mostly. Not always. Right. But very yeah. often. So that's, I mean, like one of the most vulnerable sort of vulnerable points. So, yeah. So the way that this went down was just inexcusable. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely inexcusable. And... You know, the fact that the cops had to go and check on the law. And the brass band was, in fact, not violating any law because, no. once again, music is not a crime. Right. And, you know. So, so what, what is, what, I'm curious what the law is for a brass band that wants, <laughs> to, with, wants <laughs> to play on the corner. Yeah. I mean, how I assume time, they don't have a permit. How much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. No, okay, it's the, the basic overview is that you do not need a permit to play on the streets of New Orleans. Except in some districts, like uh, like Jackson Square or whatever, right? Like, ja it, it's but, not but generally speaking. It's not Jackson Square. That's the thing. Jackson's part of Jackson Square falls under the purview of the French Market Corporation, mm -hmm. and you do need to register with them to perform in their turf. But then, that, then we could also talk about the fact that there are 10, 10 enforcement agencies in the French Quarter. But then, <laughs> so then with this party with the amplified band, amplification is not the problem. The problem is the music being live. And here's this is where it gets really. People, I've heard they did have a permit. Is that accurate? They got a special that, event permit. They um, got a special event permit. So they were told that the no police commander problem. had needed. He said he needed to approve it. And again, this is getting a little bit. I mean, these are conversations that I've had or overheard. So I mean, this is a little bit of hearsay and untangling what actually happened is part of what we really want to do to figure out like the pressure points where we can make it better. But apparently, the police commander said something like, "I need to approve anything like this," and you know, I don't have time to approve it this week because it's 
jazz fest. So there's a sort of sense of like you got a permit, but it's not valid. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. But in terms of amp- everybody always jumps to amplification. The thing about amplification, it's a free. It, it was ruled, and and I need to go back and double check the legal citations, but at least a particular lawsuit in the 90s regarding street performers, it's a free speech issue. You cannot arbitrate by type of sound producing device because what if you have a medical condition where you really can't be heard very well without amplification? Right, um, right. So amplification is not the issue. The issue is sound level. And then- Oh, yes, yes. W- no, but I mean, but that's that's exactly the point is people talk about amplification all the time, but you absolutely do not get to um, smack at amplification. The que- where, where it gets even more ridiculous is the fact that the actual sort of defining characteristic, and again, this is all stuff that I am like giving myself a crash refresher course in, the right. issue is the music yeah. being live. Because in almost all of these instances, playing pre-recorded music is actually sometimes treated, now DJs are considered live entertainment, but you know, a lot of the way these laws are written, the issue is live not music. There is Yeah, it's live music. <laughs> it's not considered by me. There is technically yeah. a law on the books, and this is one that we've uh-huh. We need to get it. The mayor's office has said they will not enforce it, but we need to get it off the books. That you cannot play an instrument on the street after 8 p.m. I I cannot be out there with my trumpet. You can be out there with a recording of me with my trumpet, but I cannot be out there with my trumpet. So that's that's a good example of the way the laws are written, just absolutely criminalizing. So you can be pulling like a say anything with my boombox. Exactly. The John Cusack. Exactly. But But if I have my trumpet, now again, this administration and the last one both explicitly said they will not enforce it because it's very clearly unconstitutional. Again, to... And and for full disclosure, for anyone listening, I am not a lawyer. I am a piano player um, <laughs> who does this work. Um, you know, I know I'm very wary about sort of saying so like, saying definitive legal things. You know, sort of on on record. Sure. But the fact is, the laws are just at at the best 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 case scenario. They're written with a complete ignorance of the ways that they impact cultural practices, and at worst, they're written to criminalize. So is your day is your day job being a musician and your side gig is being a, a social yeah. justice advocate? It's like I read a, a description of you know somebody's life, like, oh, I work in a non-profit and I play music for fun, but then I got it backwards. Right. Um, yes, yeah, so I make <laughs> yeah. my living as a piano right. player down in the quarter, and then I've worked with Macno since its, since its beginning. It kind of, it grew, I mean, Macno grew out of a number of things. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I do it because it because I love it, and it feels you know it feels necessary, um, and it's sort of been this very surprising well, chapter. Well, I, w- I would uh, add that uh, that something was that there there was kind of an apex several years ago of um, where this <clears throat> you know th- there's always been this attendant anti street musician anti live performance of anything not classical music <laughs> um, in the city of New Orleans. Um, you know, white bread movement. I mean, when you go r- way back, mm-hmm. you you can you can trace it. And Ethan did some of that work recently, oh, and we had a, a conversation about um, the uh, Whirline, um, which is just shocking because that was the music store, yeah. right? But the uh, was it Elizabeth Whirline? No, I can't remember I her name. Remember. But anyway, she was like kind of an original way back in the day of anti musician uh, kind of. I'm getting laws written to shut down uh, what people consider to be noise in their opinion. So and it, it uh, so almost much sort of aligns with the growing edge of um, black musical practices. You know, the same people always who, who always that who yeah. hate you know whatever uh, who you know are sort of angry about 
you know, like there's, a, there's one particular hip hop busker who has had more trouble from every law enforcement agency. I mean, it's just like even before he makes a single sound, there's this, you know, assumption of everything bad. And I always think like the same people who hate him now are the people who hated jazz a hundred years ago, but now love but jazz. Right. And you know yeah. when that was the sort of the growing edge of Black American music, then like they hated that too. So there, it's just you know it's like the people who say that they love Martin Luther King, but that Black Lives Matter is you know terrible. And it's like you really you you know if you'd been alive then you would have hated Martin Luther King too. Like you cannot possibly. Yeah, of course, it's like cognitive, yeah. cognitive yeah. dissonance. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, yeah, and it's just sort of self-congratulatory bullshit. Sure, um, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's um, call it what it is. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So, so yeah. No, I mean, none of this is new, but it, a couple things I think sort of conflated in the last decade or so to, to amplify in a bad way some of it, which is one post Katrina, the sort of spotlight that got shown on the city. Um, and this is, you know, a, a PhD thesis for somebody else to write. It seems like just sort of in terms of history of, of media stuff, that really roughly coincided with the kind of explosion of the internet and smartphones and this and that, where now all of a sudden there's very few things that are secret, not secret, but everything is sort of knowable now. You know, everybody can know everything and everything is sort of more easily accessible. And so if yeah, you have this, yeah, that's right. then, you know, there's less in the way of sort of underground, unknown things. And so if there's things that are technically in violation of the laws in the books, because the laws are, again, written to be very hostile to culture, now all of a sudden you have those laws coming into play where they hadn't been for decades, but you have a sort of different landscape post-Katrina. Um, and again, for full disclosure, I am not a New Orleans native and I, I got here about two years after the storm. Um, Welcome. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that sort of that combination of, you know, new people and new perspectives, you know, then bringing the laws on the books, realizing that they're actually tools that they can use to smack culture with, well, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the laws have been there for decades and decades, just nobody ever noticed or cared because didn't matter that these cultural practices were technically in violation of the law well um and, and just to complete a thought that i was uh, thinking about Sorry. is like that, no it's okay it's, uh, <laughs> uh, just that 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 attendant anti-musician thing is always present and and you know it has peaks and valleys itself a few years ago it was well funded by a, a, a well-known anti-musician benefactor um who has since you know, retired from uh, that uh, I, I don't know what Stuart Smith's fate was or is at this point um, but he was uh, a very wealthy lawyer who had it out for a lot of people and, and, and he was funding it is true I haven't heard about that guy for a while well yeah he he, he, he got the big C also and, uh, and oh. he, he dropped out of the scene oh. and that took a lot of the uh, wind out of the sails of some of the Movement toward the uh, the noise ordinance and 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 a, and a host of lawsuits. The, nim the that, Well, he would just yeah. he would just offer his legal services for free and sue mm. any club uh, for yeah. anyone apparently who petitioned him yeah. and had a grievance against some club because they just decided that they didn't like what was going on or the style of music or whatever the, and it's the various uh, idiosyncratic reasons. Uh, and it's, the, it's again it's the access to money and power and the other That's piece. Right. That, I mean, obviously, he was sort of one particular person with a lot of access to power, and you know, and but neighborhood associations sometimes you know when they act in bad faith they can cause a lot of harm or even sometimes when they act out of ignorance and you know again coming back to what happened in this neighborhood that was really a big part of it was neighborhood associations are historically the sort of collected power and there's all the issues around sort of demographics and who has you know who has time and access and and you know 
well, yeah, yeah. money, right. money, and, and money. all that stuff. And, and right. again, so in this particular case, it really, you know, I, I, I was not intending to call anyone out by name, but I did want to mention the fact that the neighborhood association in this case really was just flexing power and privilege in a way that caused a lot of harm. And the best thing you could say about it was that they were too ignorant of how that could play out, you know, particularly around a brass band or something, or maybe that they didn't care, or maybe they did. Maybe they understood what the consequences could be. And I'm honestly not sure which is worse, people who wield the legal system without understanding it, or people who wield it maliciously, because either one is terrifying. You know, and, and I pondered that as well. And, so I, and I thought- How does the neighborhood association get involved? Yeah, so is, it's Is the guy that made the call like the president of the neighborhood? Like, I don't know what his involvement- Or did they just make a statement? He's more of a pan-city neighborhood organization kind of individual with his, uh, with this group called New Orleans, the Committee for a Better New Orleans, <laughs> which a friend of mine said, wait, they spelled whiter wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, and I, and I, I will also, again, just since this is recorded, say that as of this morning, Macno has withdrawn our support for a letter that they had written and a, a project that they were working on, and we had notified. And that letter's already been sent, I think, so our name is on it, but we have you know, stated that we no longer... Um, are willing to work with them on that, you know, because of the way this unfolded. Um, and, yeah. and that was the Committee for Better New Orleans. But in this case, I, and I'm not 100% sure, and again, this is where sort of untangling what actually happened can yeah. be its own sort of ridiculous challenge, you know, if it was a particular neighborhood association or whatnot. But I do know that that was mentioned by the cops to the... to the. I'm certain that it was coordinated. Yeah, I mean, they said, yeah. you know, you need to appease the neighborhood organization. In other words, yeah, yeah. they are a de facto sort of That's governing right. body yeah. for this geographical area. There were emails. There were communications about yeah. doing right. this beforehand. And that gets back to the issue that you were talking about, like whether the second one is like more malicious or less malicious out of ignorance or like that you understand what the consequences are going to well, be. Well, it's and like guy, you're, you're incompetent or you're Machiavellian. I'm, I'm, which, uh, which is it? Right, well, I mean, in this... I, I have to believe that this guy is cognizant on some level of knowing who he is, of what the dangers are of calling the police um, in, in, that situ- in that situation. And again, yes, in, in this case... The, he's aware of that. The brass, I mean, I, I don't and know he, if, and, uh, if he was calling on the brass man. And I do also want to say, again, I'm personally, and sort of from a Macno standpoint, very, very not comfortable with sort of vilifying one particular person in this story. So I, I want to well, uh, say that. However, but you know, also, can I say that he owned up to it? This guy who oh, was yeah. who's being the I mean, no, and, he, and, he was bragging about and it proud, and, and, and proudly sold. And, yeah. and he outed himself. And his name is Keith Twitchell in a WWL, oh, <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, he. So we don't have to do that work, you know. I mean, WWL did that just oh, reporting, I, I, and he proudly got in front of them in order to say what he wanted to say, which makes me think. And I know how these neighborhood groups work, and and he's a media savvy guy. That, you know, maybe he thinks in some weird way in his mind that this is like a chess move for him. It's a chess move that that like this is a nice launching point for like yeah, putting the not, issue, uh, putting this issue back on the table. That's right. Instead of being like, I think the ignorance on on people like this part a lot of times is just like one of incredible arrogance because they still live in their own private world where they don't understand that like Jazz Fest Freddy gets called out for calling the police and that that blowback is like really real and deeply impactful on your life so you better watch your behavior right. and uh, and I just don't think that they live in that world I think they see that as a fantasy that will never impact them and now this guy is getting impacted by that because he crossed the line brazenly 
and uh, and uh, so yeah, yeah. And, and again you know separating out or possibly separating out since I still don't have my head around all of it whether or not the brass band was the target there and I, I don't think it was I think the brass band was actually just collateral damage and that's a phrase that I end up using a lot around musicians livelihoods because they end up being collateral damage to all sorts of legal stuff and it's yes. so frustrating I mean yeah. it's just like you know when there was, you know, there was a lawsuit against a venue and there was some sort of ridiculous agreement where they were going to have a reduced music schedule for two months as part of sort of trying to work out a compromise. And I, you know, just sort of, again, put on my nerd hat and kind of went through and like super roughly calculated the lost income based on the lost gigs for yeah. those two months. And, yeah. you know, the numbers were a little bit made up and I've never, you know, I never sort of did anything with it, but to try to just get a handle on what that meant because there, there really is this sense of like, oh, it's fine. We'll just, live music is the most vulnerable thing. If there's, any issue with you know a venue and there's issues around you know trash or something with their alcohol license or you know live music is this ridiculously um well it's the attractor well it's the attractor but but (laughs) then it's legally so vulnerable and it gets smacked first and it gets cut first and it gets and it's just never ever valued and the thing i always say is you know everybody gives lip service to the culture but the language of the laws doesn't reflect that and it really needs to like it's it's about time and there's a gap too weird there's a weird i'm sorry i just want to address this one thing because this is like really important is that there's this weird gap that exists um where uh, seemingly legislation is occurring at the city attorney level and not at the city council level. That's and right. and that's because of the fear that the uh, the ABO uh, can hang over the heads of venues in terms of their licensing, and so the city attorney feels essentially free to construct laws. It seems like to me. Well, leaving aside um, the and, fact, and that I feel like that's some of what you're referring to. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. no. The, again, the power structures are. You know, the ABO is the the board that governs alcohol licenses, and it's appointed. It's not elected. There's no public accountability, and there are some really problematic figures on that board. And right. that's something that Ethan that's has actually right. been working on a sort of a dossier of like a summary of of who's on that board and sort of the ways that it's problematic. But there's no public accountability there whatsoever. Right. Um, but again, it kind of comes back to this assumption of well, if you're serving alcohol, you know, sin, vice, crime, nightlife, right. whatever, right. whatever, whatever. The problem is that legally music, there's, I mean, this is highly oversimplified, but there's no such thing, legally speaking, as a music venue. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like always right, an accessory right. Right. use to alcohol or... Right, totally. Right. Or whatever. Um, yeah, anyways. Is so. that rain coming down? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, rain, the rain's a good time for a segue. Oh, okay, may, go ahead. May I just go ahead. suggest? Yeah. Because ra- you can hear the rain coming You can in. hear the rain coming in because at, on the It's a Good Life Babe podcast at Maison DeVille Studios <laughs> right here in Gentilly, we uh, we open the windows, we put the fans on. You know, sometimes we got the soccer you hear, game on. Yeah, we got the soccer game on. Sometimes you hear the music in the background. That's just how we roll. Yeah, you're right. So as a segue, I want to like turn it to a, a little bit of a positivity. But as a, yeah. as, 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 as a, uh, as I was I, told there'd be no negativity as, on this podcast. As, as, some pic, <laughs> as, as some pickled ginger on our way to our next sushi bite. Oh yeah, okay. I just want to say ahead. like Jason Williams for DA. Let's oh. all get behind that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I, can, I can. Okay. As a little pickled yeah. ginger, just for everyone, like yeah. to, to help solve a lot of these issues that we're talking about. Yeah. I, I do like I do like Councilmember Williams a lot. Let's, I think, I, think yeah. he, I think he works really hard to make things better. And he's and the fact that he's going for the DA. I spoke with him at a charity event uh, a few weeks back, and asked him why he wasn't running for mayor instead of DA. And he gave a very thoughtful response that I won't get into here, but it, it's cool. he. 
because it's six he, six years and not four. Well, no, because he because <laughs> he, <laughs> he knows he can change. He can be more effective as the DA <clears throat> in terms of changing the kind of issues that we're talking. Well, about. I hope I hope so because the one that we have in there now is is just despicable. going from that white ass racist cracker to Jason <laughs> Williams. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Right, right. I mean, that would be an, a pretty effective change. Yeah, um, I agree. So. We're talking about music. Ooh, that rain is coming in this window. Um, our our social justice advocate here from Macno, her day job is being a musician. I think we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah. 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 When, yeah, when I'm not ranting about things, I'm making other kinds of noise. So I, uh, I stumbled upon you guys a couple weeks ago, uh, the Marina Orchestra, mm-hmm. at the Neighborhood uh, Project Story. Neighborhood Story Project. Story yeah, Project, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 right down the street. And it was a phenomenal show. Thank you. And Thank you. you guys, it was like this like tiny little room, like not so much bigger than this. And everyone's sitting down in folding chairs, not unlike these. <laughs> and you guys got all these old people up and dancing. It was pretty Sweet. Awesome. We had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> it, was, it was really dope. Thank you. It was thank really you. dope. Um, so what are you guys up to? What's what's the deal with... So Marine Orchestra, just sort of for a quick, quick backstory, is the brainchild of a guy named Justin Powers, who had the band in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then he moved here a number of years ago, didn't know anybody. Um, and just sort of recreated the band. So we're actually version 2.0. So Got a lot of right. the a lot of the recordings, you know, we are are not actually the current the current lineup of the band. Um, but we've now been here together for about counting four years, about four yeah. years. Um, and he writes all these songs, and I mean, and he is just a fantastic songwriter. He's really, really tightly crafted sort of pop rock songs with really deep tropical influences. He's kind of a deep uh, scholar yeah. of transatlantic musical traditions west african oh, and caribbean and latin right. american right and he just weaves these sort of tropical influences and so we get, all, we get a lot of descriptions around like it's like being on a beach and it's very sort of like tropical pop you know well, we talk about, i like, call it surf surf yeah rock we, we get like surf we get we get like trop and roll you know trop and roll rock and roll um <laughs> that that's i mean we, we've had these like long sort of interband arguments about like what is our little you know what's your genre two word two word genre description <laughs> sure. it would always end up like i don't know just you know and then we end up with these like long long descriptions that are totally unwieldy um but it's it's so much fun there's you know thick harmonies and and um and there's horns i get to play trumpet um and yeah we've just been having a really good time the last year or so i feel like we've gotten much more tight um and we've we've just been having a great time. And playing. you guys just did a video for the tiny NPR t- tiny desk. We did. We did our, our tiny desk. Oh wow! Nice submission. Cool. Um, <laughs> right. Shout out to Philip for reminding me. Yeah, okay. um, it was it was a lot of fun to film. We got again with the sort of the tropical thing. We all we, we all wear um, plant printed clothing on stage. We just kind of started doing that, and so we got we all brought our house plants over to my bass player's house and kind of created this like indoor jungle set. Nice. And then at like nine a.m. on a Sunday morning, we were trying to look you know peppy. <laughs> Um, and we, we we managed to, to uh, make it at least. Do it. Um, and it was well, the song. And where'd the clothes come from? They're trashy. Trashy band. Diva, which is a local yeah, clothing yeah. brand. Oh, who, nice. So the the band there's three women of the eight of us, um, and we all love Trashy Diva. And Trashy Diva also makes men's shirts, and we just we wore we all wore the same print in different styles in that video, and then we were just thrilled out of our minds. And Trashy Diva themselves reposted our video on their Instagram, and so we were all sort of. You know, geeking out over that. Um, I'm wearing How, a trashy diva dress at the moment. And where, where, where do people go to uh, check out the video? Um, I guess 
I think it's on our website, Marina Orchestra. Dot com. You I know. Just go it, to YouTube too. Yeah, yeah you, just go can, on the internet and just yell you just Marina Orchestra. Google you'll, Marina. Yeah, yeah. you'll find Marina us. Marina Orchestra. <laughs> I know that at least chunks of it are on up. are on our Instagram. Um, yeah, yeah. We we try to kind of maintain a good a good internet presence and all that. Um, well, that's how I found you guys for the thing down the street. Oh, nice. Okay. It wasn't just because I live in the ne- neighborhood. It was because I. Um, oh great! Well, I saw you guys online. Then, then we think so. It's working. That counts I, as a success. Yeah. And I said something to Justin about that, and he was like, "Oh, that's great because we work really hard at that." Yeah, they. I, I don't do that aspect of it, but my band Justin and a couple of my other bandmates yeah. do a really really good job with it. Yeah. Are there um, clubs in town that are that are places you play with some regularity? Yes, yeah, so we do once a month at Bufas, um, which is a wonderful sort of smaller um, kind of listening room. Not listening room. It's a venue. I mean, with they've got food and whatnot. And then we actually do once a month in the front part of One Eye Jacks in that little yeah. front bar, which has mm. been super fun. It's sort of just a monthly rehearsal um, huh. because they they don't always. Oh, that's cool. They started doing music a while ago because they they uh, I really? think they weren't always opening on Sunday nights. And then they realized if they had a band, uh, it would pull people in. Where yeah. you set up? Just in the oh, corner. I mean, like, there's eight of us, and we're just in the corner. And it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's cool. so fun. And it's really intimate. We've been doing that. We're actually going to be on the main stage at One Eye Jacks on May 24th, which I'm stupidly excited about. Yeah, nice, nice, we've only good. played on the main stage once before. Um, Sweet. But yeah, so we're at Bufa's once a month, then One Eye Jacks once a month. Um, and then we're usually in Baton Rouge or Lafayette at least every couple months. Um, oh, sweet. And I'm trying to think. And when, okay, so how does this <laughs> tiny desk thing work? So you guys applied, like, when yeah. did you find out if you're... I don't remember work? the time frame. It's sometime yeah. soon. Um, when we first did it, <laughs> my mother immediately said, where do I vote? And I was like, Ma, it's not, it's not voting. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's, um, they have judges. They have a, you know, a panel of sort of pretty well-known musicians and music-related people. Right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's thousands of these submissions, maybe tens of thousands. Two years ago, Tank and the Bangers. Yeah, won that's it, right. Which they was won the most it. recent one they, in New Orleans, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they came know. on our podcast shortly after. Oh, nice. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. That's yeah, awesome. They were one of the early guests. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're hoping that maybe you know they'll they'll have another another New Orleans winner. Um, totally. I don't remember the exact time frame, but I think I think they make the decision maybe sometime June? in May. I think. Yeah, May or June. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. And yeah, I mean that that would be just beyond that'd be such a dream if if that if that came through um but either way we had a lot of fun making the video hannah you've been carrying this podcast um to such a great degree that's a really nice way of saying it <laughs> i want to i want to like give some praise to hirsch over here because hirsch who's a friend of the podcast bring it baby bring it. <laughs> um and i assume you're about my age and like you are unexhaustive I don't know if that's the word like you don't like you, you, you that might do, make the spelling bee New York Times you do everything like you do <laughs> that's impossible like you that'll do, kill you try to do you everything do every single show like there's nothing you don't do I see a lot of live music like do, yeah can you tell people about like it's jazz fest time and you're like a super fan of music what's the last week been like I mean well the la- I mean well we're in the middle of a marathon you know yeah. I mean this is uh, I go out and see a lot of music I see an average of two or three gigs a week you yeah. know I see like 150 185 180 shows a year yeah um, but you know we're getting older and it's getting harder to do it night after night after night um, yeah. it becomes you know a sleep management issue and, uh, <laughs> and you know, all right. that kind of stuff um, it's been a great week I mean this is just this is 
I don't know. I call these my high holidays. This is this is as good as it gets. I mean, in some ways, you know, yeah, I mean, frankly, yeah. the other fifty weeks of the year are as good as it can get. Also, so, sure. but but these two weeks are really special. And yeah, and uh, you know, one of the big reasons is having all the out of towners that That's come right. in, and it just enriches the whole scene because it just seems like everywhere you go, there's people like me that just can't get enough. You yeah, know, just just want to see more live music. So we've got cousin Andy and uh, Amsterdam Philip over here on the couch. And we're gonna we're gonna have them on the next episode, um, and some other special guests as well. Uh, but the way, any, any highlights for you for this first weekend of jazz fest? Um, yeah, I was just, so last night I went to the Shaggy's Crawfish Festival. Okay, over at uh, is it Central, Central City, City Barbecue? barbecue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, have you guys been to that? You guys know that? I haven't, but I know the, the barbecue over there. Well, it's a, it's a three yeah. day yeah. days between festival. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. it's the crawfish festival. I wasn't. A, oh, okay. The Shaggy puts on. Okay. It's at that place that serves barbecue. Normally, right, right. But they've got this big yard that, that they have this yes, best one. That's right. I think it's the best thing going for these days between. Oh, really? Um, it's great. It, I mean, um, it's it's sometimes two stages, but it's usually one stage. You get four bands from three to ten p.m. Um, it's really nice after like having the jazz fest experience that is hot in the middle of the day and just when it starts getting to be nice out you got to go this festival is really nice because you, you roll in at four or five o'clock and like then the music's at night and it's you know so this week's been beautiful it's been nice. so nice out. But anyway to answer your question last night i was there and i saw the mike dylan percussion consortium or whatever it's called nice and i'd seen them friday at the music box theater also mm-hmm. and um, you know I think I've seen 80 bands in the last week and both of those Mike <laughs> Dillon shows are in are in the top five are in the top it, yeah. he just he's I don't know I love impro- I love improvised music I love like for me music gets me in the moment and so for me it's all about just being surprised like I want to I want to I want to be there for a musical moment that I'm not expecting and, right, and that just right. blows me away. Sure. And Mike just delivers. He delivers. <laughs> I never yeah. know what's coming, and right. he's constantly exceeding whatever expectations I have. He's just crazy. Um, those are great shows. Hirsch, where are you from, man? I was born in a real small town in Pennsylvania, and I lived there till I was 10. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Orlando, and I went to junior high and high school in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived here longer Orleans? than anywhere else. I've lived here since I was 23. Yeah. What brought you down here? Tulane Law School. Got it right. And did you meet Dan? Did you meet Dan Weiner right away? I met Dan very quickly um, because, well, so I met uh, I met Matt Goldman and, and Liam. Oh, okay. Do you remember when they lived together? I don't know if you guys know when they lived. Anyway, I, I just met them. I just met Liam in the hospital. Oh yeah. Actually, okay. Yeah. Anyway, they they I met like I met him too very right? quickly, and and so I got to know Danny through them. Someone hooked us up because he he was a bass player that didn't have a band, and I was a guitar player that didn't have a band, and <laughs> and uh, a friend said you guys should get together. And you have a band now, right? Yeah, I'm in a band called Coot. Yep. Um, uh, we were fortunate enough to play Jazz Fest a couple years ago. Yep. By the way, you guys yeah, are playing right. tomorrow, right? Oh, uh, we are. Yeah. Egg Yolk Jubilee. Egg Yolk Jubilee. Tomorrow. Yeah. 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 On the uh, Lanyap yeah. stage. Yes, I think yes. that's the whole reason we're recording the show right now. <laughs> uh, thank show. you, thank you, Mick Jagger. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, right? I don't mean right? that. No. That was the best day <laughs> for the <laughs> music. I hope you get better. You know, but uh, well, that is what went it's down. It's unfortunate, but uh, that's the what Rolling went Stones down. cancellation yeah. was one of the biggest income generators for New Orleans music. <laughs> I counted. I counted really quickly. I was like, 
okay, that's 19 slots that have just opened up. Really? You know, and I was like, I was like, text, 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 text. text. <laughs> Let me see if I can get in. You know, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. so impressive. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, I jumped on it like right away. You yeah, want to, you want yeah. to come manage Marina Orchestra if you're if you're that good at that? Well, <laughs> I, it, the cancer card might have had a little bit to do with it. I don't my, know. You know. My, <laughs> I'm candid about you know. Jeff Jeff gave me Jeff was really sweet the other day. We were in the hospital while you were getting your trip at the yeah, yeah, the long well, drip the hotel drip to Ville. Let's just call it the yeah the hotel drip to the long drip the long trip <laughs> the long the ninety six hours. What a long strange drip it's been. And we were working on like our podcast stuff, and I was like maybe complaining a little bit about like shirking my other work responsibilities, my Jade oh, yeah, day yeah. job responsibilities yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. while we were working sure. on the Bonnaroo podcast stuff. Out yourself, out yourself. And you were like, "Hey, man, feel free to use the Cantor card anytime." Yeah. You need to. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I'm, "It's on loan, man." He's like, "You just so you know." Friends get a little bit of it, and I'm like, you know "Dude, I've I, already been yeah. using it, but I really appreciate. It. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. I mean, being official, dude. Seriously, use it unabashedly, man. <laughs> you know, just go for it. <laughs> Much as you can get out of it. Some good work time in the hospital. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got uh, we got to pitch out to Presunos to yeah. uh, to, yes, to, to right. sponsor our trip right. to Bonner. That's right. Who sponsored it last year? Because didn't you go last year? We went two years ago. Two years ago. Jeff Deville. Sponsored I basically it. Oh, yeah. sponsored it. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Um, I had just gotten my money from the sale of the bar, and I was right. like, "Oh, I have some money." Now. <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> you know? Like I can I can be the benefactor. Now you got some great episodes show. in the can. Now we have to like kind of yeah exactly and. Uh, but uh, we've got this new board now, and it's from Presonus. And thanks Ooh. to the, uh, you know, Presonus is a company that's based in Baton Rouge. And uh, they haven't decided to actually sponsor us yet. But we're going to give them a nice shout out they're anyway. Consi- they're because considering. they're considering it. And they're, we told they're them. looking. Yeah. We want to warm. We want to be warm lead. We want to. <laughs> we want to be supportive of local uh, of local and enterprises. And also, Pap, Pap's Blue Ribbon, everybody, which is what I'm <laughs> drinking right now. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah. Matt Slessler, Slessler. It's so hard to not say that without slurring. It's not like I've had that many beers, <laughs> but his name is Slessler. S L Slessler or Slessler. S L E S S E R. Matt Slessler. He runs like West Coast PBR. Slessler. And he's okay. You're so much better at this than me. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Any, well, I didn't know. I didn't know Presonus was a local Baton Rouge company. Just leave any Teutonic names to me. I'll, exactly. I'll take care of them. I'll handle them. <laughs> that was my name too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got it covered. Yeah. Okay. So, so shout out to those guys. Yeah. And 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 yes. So Ago Jubilee got a. Uh, we got one of the slots. That's um, awesome. What time? Which stage? Twelve fifty to one fifty tomorrow nice. at the Lanyap <laughs> stage. Second slot. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Appreciate that. And. Uh, and everybody's excited about doing it, you know. So uh, that's, that's gonna be a great show. That's the effect that the jazz it's gonna fest be, has it's gonna on be you. The, the you fuck cancer show. It's gonna be the fuck cancer show. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way to be honest with you, you know. But somebody made a nice card for me 
um, at, it was Sue actually, uh, and I want to say shout out to Sue, and uh, who will be uh, accompanying the band. We always have like a retinue of significant others that accompany the band members, you know, and help out in a variety of ways. And she helped out by making this lovely embroidered card that said "fuck cancer" wow. that nice. I put up in the <laughs> in the room, nice. and everybody came in and was like, "I like that." I like that. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so that that was that was very nice, and uh, <clears throat> you know. You get this plus one ticket, uh, right? You right, know, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. But your plus one has to be there. Right. So I'm letting anybody know that there may be some availability for people to help out Agio Jubilee tomorrow if you're mm. looking I'm, uh, to get into the jazz festival. But that determination <laughs> will be made tonight after our last rehearsal. That is a golden ticket, we'll right find, there. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's right. a valuable. And you know, you know, I've done well in that role in the past. Yeah, yeah I know you have. I know you have. That's how we met Amsterdam Phillips. That's you right. know, you were there. Exactly. And yeah, exactly, and that was that was the hookup. Oh. Um, so we will be performing. We'll be at the Lanyap stage, twelve fifty to one fifty, with bells on, and doing our usual egg yolk jubilee raucous, uh, entertaining style of heavy brass, which is our two name uh, genre pick. <laughs> <laughs> say, say it again. What heavy, is it? What kind of heavy, heavy brass? brass? Heavy brass. Yeah. Heavy brass. Heavy brass. Yeah. I like that because it's completely mysterious. Like you hear that, and you're like. What? No idea what the fuck they do. <laughs> exactly. But then you hear the band. But then you hear the like, band, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that fits right in. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Because they're all overweight. <laughs> That's I true. Was, I was <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Except for Mac. You know, Mac's doing okay. No, Mac is like 20 years <laughs> your junior. I know, a little pot belly, but, you know, it's all right. <laughs> He's got time. I love Mac. Yeah. God damn it. I Paul's been that. running, you know, so oh, Paul's no, Paul weight. looks good. Yeah, Paul's been uh, Paul running lately. Well, and you've got the cancer weight drop. Yeah, I lost about so twenty-five pounds. Yeah, so that's good. You, yeah, you it's just, true. You took it. I know. I, I know. It's total different direction. Well, this, this is the kind of shit that we don't talk about off the mic, so it's not like <laughs> yeah. I'm saying anything I haven't said before. This is the way we go, and uh, it's the Good Life Babe podcast. You know, we just take the tangents where they take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. On the next show, we're, we have to talk about food, moody, moody food, moody food. Uh, yeah, and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah? Yeah, we'll, we'll, refresh, we'll, 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 we'll scratch that. All right. Well, because you're like, I know we're about to wind down, and we got to do. No, go ahead. Plugs. Go ahead. But the moody food. Explain. Um, you were like, I love the fact that Rich VK brought me some salad. Oh, gosh. But yeah. it was like, I really don't want to get at into the it. hospital. We don't have to. Get I don't want to get into it. Yeah. But it's That's... like you have moo food when you have the chemo brain. Like you just need to eat. Yeah, one of the side effects like, is that it affects your uh, it affects your taste buds. Right. And what I find is also it affects your cravings strongly. Right. So um, I wind up watching these uh, David Gelb uh, shows on uh, Netflix. You know, David Gelb is this like director, is. and uh, he's like chef's table, and all these like amazingly shot, you know, stories of these great chefs and everything, and. Um, it was a food eating strategy that uh, Tracy and I kind of came up with uh, early on, which was kind of like, it was just a notion, like maybe I should watch some Anthony Bourdain and stuff like that so I don't have the pernicious effects of uh, losing your appetite and the uh-huh. attendant weight loss, you know, because uh-huh. like, if you lose weight too much, 
too rapidly. Like they, they get really concerned, yeah, you yeah. know, and then they're like, oh, it can affect your schedule. So it became important. So I started watching it, and then suddenly I'm having all these cravings. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like Tracy, we have to get eel tonight. <laughs> and it's like, it's all based on the shows. You know, I'm like, oh my God, Asabuco. You know, like, let's go. <laughs> like, Gotta do it. <laughs> that happened quite a bit. Hey. Uh, so, hey, what's going on? Uh, so, uh, and it's still happening, you know, so... Um, so that's the thing. So we'll talk about the food moodiness uh, yes. thing. Ex- exactly. Very well, extensively. Uh, yeah. Hannah, give yeah. us your plugs again. The website, the upcoming shows, the oh. One Night Jack shows. Yeah, yeah. So marinaorchestra.com um, or just Marina Orchestra sort of on any on any internet. Google it. Yeah, Put Google it. Put it in a browser. Um, and then we're playing the main stage at One Night Jack's on May 24th, which nice. we're really excited about. Cool. Um and other than that, I'm trying to think what we've got. Is there a support act that night? There is. I believe it's Muevolo, um, who are amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, yeah. Margie yeah, Perez. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, oh, wow. Nice. I'm almost oh, nice. sure that that's who's on the bill with us, and I feel terrible that I don't I don't know 100%. But yes, um, either way, it's going to be lots of fun. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else. One Eye Jack's passing up their 15-year milestone, I think, being open as a yeah, music they just club. Yeah, huh. they just had a, amazing. They had a banner. Yeah. The banner. It was awesome. I was there last night on my breaks from the piano bar. We work an hour on, hour off. So I was running around the corner every other hour. Showed up at 10, showed up at midnight, showed up at 2. Right. Uh, and just, you know, watched music for 40 minutes at a time and then ran back to work. Um, <laughs> it was super fun. It was really, nice. really fun. Nice. So we'll do that again tonight. <laughs> Who was there last night? Last night was um, this guy named Lane Mack was the opener. And then it was, um, oh, what is that project called? Stanton Moore and um, oh, Dragon yeah, yeah. Smoke. Oh, Dragon that's smoke. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dragon nice. Smoke. All I can remember right. was the dragon part of it because there yeah. was someone there who just that's kept going, I was promised a dragon. I want a dragon. Um, <laughs> so that's fair. Somebody is still high on mushrooms from Game of Thrones. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yep, that was definitely what was happening there. Um, but yeah, no, One Eye Jacks is, is fantastic. We, we, love, we love them. We love everybody who works, who works over there. So yeah, that's, that's the one we've got coming up that we're... Oh, and all, wait, what am I even saying? We just added a show the 10th, which is like next week, next Friday at Gasa Gasa, and that's with Darian and the Hip oh, Drops, wow. who we love. Fantastic. Nice. Um, so yeah, May 10th at Gasa Gasa. Come hang out with us there. Yeah, I right. really like that club, but but I I don't, there's I never, the bands that play there aren't the ones that I know. Like, I don't have enough occasions to go. Mm. Um, so it's nice well, to have an do. excuse. Yeah, it's nice <laughs> to have an excuse to go. It's my birthday, by the way. Oh, oh good. What? Yeah. All right. We will totally we'll celebrate. We'll all be nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll totally celebrate your birthday. Uh-huh. Oh nice. my God, yeah, we can. Yeah, we'll do a happy birthday to, I will. We play some heavy brass. <laughs> sure. No, no, we're we're tropical pop rock oh, yeah, influenced by yeah. Caribbean something, and yeah, <laughs> sounds perfect for my birthday. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're wearing a leaf and flower printed shirt, like that's literally what we you're wear. You're basically on stage. in the yeah. band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, check out Egg Yolk Jubilee tomorrow. Nice. Yay. Yep, Lenny stage. A lot Lanyap of people stage. don't know where the Lanyap stage is. It's the by paddock, the way. folks. It's the paddock, and a lot of people don't know what the paddock That's is. That's where they put the horses. It's a lot of people don't know what building. that is. It's in the big building. It's the big building. It's, it's in the big building. building. It's where they got the oysters. It's where they have the oysters. It's, it's right next they, door to the air-conditioned bathrooms. It's Ooh. right next door to the air-conditioned <laughs> I don't know what else I'm going to tell you. I mean, how many it's more where hints the, It's where need? the shade is. You yeah, can right? sit down. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's a nice little stage, and it's where the locals play. Yep. <laughs> That's right. That's where we play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a great little stage, and I highly recommend and it. And because it's a little something extra for free. That's right. 
That's right. It's exactly. The lanyard stage. Yep. The lanyard stage. Yeah, you're right there. So, all right, folks. Uh, it's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. We're glad to have everybody listening, and we will catch up with you guys next time. Thanks for listening and tuning in. Yeah, you're right. <laughs>